you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. Cause you know it's on. It's on. Cause you know it's on. Hey, we gonna jump right into it. Well, hey, it's an honor and privilege. Uh, welcome to the Cut to a Podcast. A guy that I admire, respect, MVP of Super Bowl Twenty Two co-founder of the Black College Hall of Fame, senior advisor, not really sure what a senior advisor does compared to an advisor for the Washington Commanders, a father to eight, and most importantly, a proud Grambling State Tiger. Welcome to the Cut to a Podcast. Uh, my Thank man, you. a man of honor, and, and it's a privilege to call a friend and, uh, and worker, co-worker, uh, Doug Williams. Thanks, thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, man. That was, that was great. Yeah, uh, the senior part is because of the age. Oh, is that? <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. You know, I'm a senior too, but I, I, it's not because my age. It's because uh, I want to make sure that Junior doesn't take my good uh, credit report as he gets older. It's taking years to get this credit that. report up. You know what I mean? Pack, pack bail bills I had to pay from back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? Walking around this building, you know, most of the guys they look at me and they say OG. So yeah. you know, you know, you at that age, yeah. you know, OG walking around the building. So you just deal with it from that standpoint. All right. Well, let, let's let's get right into it, man. We have some fun. We're gonna talk some truth. We're gonna talk okay. about manhood. We're gonna talk about you know jobs. Just everything, every direction you want to go. Um, okay. Uh, and just let you just let you story tell story tell about your life. Uh, so we're okay. gonna start off with. Uh, so a little icebreakers get you relaxed a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you're, you know, what you said, a senior advisor. So seniors, uh, older men uh, have routines. What is your daily routine? Well, my, my daily routine, you know, I, I come here. Yeah, Where's here? Where's 8 o'clock every morning. Where, where you come and, here. Uh, Where's here? Where's we're here to the building, to, okay. to the facility where, where all the players are. Oh, okay. And, and uh, you know, go to breakfast, eat breakfast, and come in to, to my office 
Um, I do have an office here, you know, down the hall from the rest of the folks, but I got office. That, that's a good part about it. And uh, I can look out the window. I can see my car. If I wanted to leave, I walk go out the side door and I get in my car and I leave. See, so see, it's, it's that why, easy. Why you got to go? Why you got to? Why do you have to hit all the, the stereotypes? You got to make sure we know our car is just in case. <laughs> in case well, what? But, well, you know what? If, if it wasn't the truth, I wouldn't say it. That's a good one. <laughs> no, oh. but but no, um, you know, I come in and, and when the president is here, mm. you know, got a chance to go sit down with him to find out what's going on for that week and mm. um, do a lot of Zoom with the other people who who part of the sales and tickets and things like that that are not housed here, mm. a lot of them over at the stadium. And, and that way you, you got to zoom in and talk about what's happening daily and, and hadn't been on this side. So I'm, I'm learning a whole lot because mm. as being on the personnel side, it's a little different than being on the side where people sell tickets and, and advertisement and everything else. And you just learn what they do. So I'll be on the Zoom listening to them. I mean, I don't know a whole lot that, that they do, but I do listen and realize that that has to happen. Mm. And, um, you know, being alumni of this organization, um, the president and, and all other folks, they depend on myself and a couple other guys to try to lead them into what this franchise has been over the years. Mm. And, um, you know, try to tell them what's, what's out there from a fan base and, and what's good for, for the team and things like that and what not to do. Cause you know, remember we got, everything has changed over here with, with Jason Wright being the president. We got so many new people in here that they've never been a part of this to, except for the last year or so. So like a welcoming, welcoming home luncheon that we have every year. Well, there's only two, three people in this whole organization on this side of the, of the, of the ball that had been to a welcoming home mm. uh, so you event. Got, so you got the blind leading the blind. Well, I can see. So I'm trying to help them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. You know, trying to get my idea of what it's like. Wow. You know, because wow. everybody got different opinions, how we can do this, how we can do that. So what's the best part of your routine, your daily routine that you enjoy the most? What's your favorite part? You know what? Going out and watching like, nah, we in OTAs. Mm -hmm. And uh, going out, watching the guys and, and running around and doing things and see who might be the guy that we might have to depend on this year and, you know, being out there for anywhere from 35, 40 minutes, an hour, and just, just watching those guys, mm. you know, walk around. And, and, you know, for me, football has always been a part of my life. So, therefore, going to see these young guys do what they're uh, going to be asked to do during the season is, is, is really the, the most important part of, of my job. There's a lot of alumni from Grambling State. Obviously, including yourself. Let's just do a little test. Do you know any other alumni from Grambling State that is, air quotes, notable besides yourself? Yeah, yeah. Do, James do, Harris, number one. James Harris, uh, okay. Shaq Harris played quarterback for the Rams. Yep. Uh, be before me, he's one of them. 1969. Uh, got, yes, you, you Buffalo Bills, you know yeah, that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> and we got some, we got I, some I just got to make sure you know. You can't be uh, proud hey, if you don't believe know. Believe me, if, if they went to Grambling, I know. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and, and you know, you got guys who passed on, like Buck Buchanan and Willie Davis and mm -hmm. Ernie Land. Mm -hmm. But then you got the Sammy White, who was rookie of the year. You got um, um, you got uh, Andrew Glover, who played tight end yeah. in, in, in the Raiders. Ooh. Um, 
I'm I'm trying to think. Jake, you got you had Jake play wide receiver with the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. and of course you had Emerson Walls who played DB yes. with the um, Dallas Cowboys. How about Willis and, Reed? Well, you, I'm going with football. See, I'm, I'm not see, talking about the captain. Yeah, yeah, but I'm see, not this talking is about the captain right now. But see, this is my this is my podcast, so I I get to snag any name I want to. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. But you, <laughs> you're, 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 <laughs> I mean, oh, we trying who, who to we trying to expound the, on football, right? Hey, who can forget the captain, man? Yeah, I, I know the captain. Okay, yeah, how I about how about let me go with an East Coast guy? Okay, E forty, E forty. Yes, he's a rapper. Oh, see now you you but beyond me now. Yeah, no, nah, but but he E forty been around for a long time. Yeah, man, and you you can even throw Erica Badu in there if you want. To. Ooh, <laughs> look at you. I'm just, you know, I got and, and you. The strong, and, and the strongest one time was the strongest man in the world. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right. Last one. Uh, Charles Blow, New York Times. Comments. He's the writer for New York, New York Times. Every yep. time you look at him on CNN, he, See? He, he's talking about the social issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. Charles Blow, I know him. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm good. I'm good now. I just, I wanted to. I wanted to expound on the alumni outside of football, and you, you no, no, and, and and I agree with that, I, and I certainly appreciate that, man. Because if they went to Grambling and and they somebody, uh, I know them, and they got some some people that are not somebody that I know Grambling that you probably wouldn't know, but that's that's like what Grambling is all about. Yes, it the, is. The motto, the motto at Grambling is <clears throat> where everybody is somebody, mm. and that's the most important thing. There's so much about your story. So I'll start off with where are you from um, and a place you call your hometown. Good, yeah. I'm from a small town in uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. Zachary, Louisiana. That's about 20 minutes, you know, kind of give you some proximity. About 20 minutes north of Baton Rouge, hour and a half from Natchez, Mississippi. A mm. uh, little small town. And, um, you know, everybody in that town knew everybody in that town. And I stayed outside the city limits of Zachary. So I wasn't in Zachary. I was always outside. There's only two people in Zachary that you probably would would know, and one of them has passed away. That was Ellie May on the, the Clampets and and Doug Williams. Oh so wow! We, you know, <laughs> so we're two people that's from Zachary, Louisiana, mm. and um, you know it's small town, and, and I try to get back as much as I possibly can. I still have um, uh, two sisters down there and three brothers and um, daughters and cousin aunties and mm. everybody. So. You know, Zachary gonna always be my home, so that's that's how I look at it. So, growing up in Zachary, Louisiana, what did you experience as 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 a young yeah. young Douglas? Growing up, man, you know, when, when the older I've gotten, the, the more I realized what it was like. Because during that time, um, it didn't seem like it, it was like that because I didn't know no better. Mm-hmm. I just knew what the rest of the community did and what we had to do. And when your mom tell you, you can't walk those streets at night, you, you got to get out, you know, up to, we used to call it up the road, down the road, where you go and visit guys and mm-hmm. people like that. But we couldn't do that. Once dark came, we had to get off the street and not knowing why until I got older. And then all of a sudden, you know, every weekend you, you had these guys, I lived in on plank road, which was like, it was a crossroad, a half a mile to my right, a half mile to my left, and in between that was all was all black. You know, everybody living there was was minorities and black, and um, they used to burn a cross every Friday on the corner, 
and not understanding being a, being a young boy, then you understand why they told you you couldn't go out there. It was a scare tactic. Mm. You know, it was it was more or less keeping them in their place, let them know uh, where, where they stand. You know, when I look back at it, that's why they did it. And a lot of the older men in the neighborhood uh, would take off in their trucks or cars or whatever with their guns trying to catch the, whoever set the set the fire, the, the cross burning, because nobody knew when it was going to happen or if it was going to happen. So it wasn't like they went down and sat at the crossroad. I'm sure if they did, it wouldn't have happened. Hmm. But they always did it when nobody was around. But but if you know, there's a reason why your mom, your dad used to tell you, hey, when you go to certain places, just be careful. And not really knowing that when you're young. But when you got older, you realize that people tried to scare you, put scare tactics, because so many things was happening. You're talking about I was born in 1955, civil rights movement and all that, peace movement. So you understood what was happening to young black men and women during that time where we, we kind of stayed off the road during that time. When daylight come, you know, we were back out there. But at the time, you know, you knew what to do growing up. And nobody had to tell you how to handle yourself because your mom, your dad, your grandmother, whoever, had already hip you to what was going on. Hmm. And, and they didn't stand around and and, and go over what it, what it was like being uh, black among this time of the year when Ku Klux Klan and everybody else was burning cross, they didn't sit down and tell you that. They just told you to be careful and what you couldn't do after dark. Hmm. So how did that shape and mold you moving forward as a young man? <clears throat> well, well, you know what? It, like, I, like I say, now that I've gotten older and over the years, I kind of understood what it was like. But, but during that time, I didn't. And the only thing we had to do in that community was to hold on to sports. One night it was baseball, basketball, football, and we had so many young men, young guys in that neighborhood during that time. You know, we did that all day. When we wasn't at school, if it was out of school, that's what we did all day. You know, we was either chasing a baseball, we was over there playing touch of whatever football, tackle football, you name it. Mm. We was doing that, and, and we was playing basketball. We didn't have, like they have today, AAU. Uh, we didn't have no no YMCA or anything. We, we played on dirt. <laughs> we, we, we played on dirt court, yep. and we didn't have a goal. We took one of them twenty each rims and nailed it on the board. Of yeah. that. I mean, we we found a way to get it done growing up. So you know, when I look back now and I see all the things that these guys got, man, and like I got two girls right now, younger girls. I don't know why I did it, but I got two younger girls, fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> 14 and 16 Well, years listen, old. They, I don't know if you know. I know you old, but I don't know if you know. There's some activities you do to get that now. I, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> but, but, but the thing about that, they, they both play AAU basketball. Oh. And every weekend, I'm gone, and I'm sitting there, man. I'm saying to myself. I, I got AAU, too. Mm, mm, mm. I'm, I'm saying to racket, myself, ain't it? If, if, I, if we had had this growing up, I don't know what I would have been. Yeah. But but I'm enjoying it, watching them, you know, and my my tenth grader, you know, she was lucky enough the last few weeks to get offers from Florida State, University Ooh, of Maryland, congratulations. And, and Penn State, and a bunch of places. So to me, that's that's what it's all about. Mm. But I, but we couldn't do that back then because we didn't have no swimming pool in our neighborhood. Uh -oh. mm. We didn't have nowhere to play basketball, any of that. So I grew up in a, in a tough era. But you made me a, and, and my brothers and sisters. I think it made us and the other people around us better individuals. So you are you the you're one of eight children. One of eight, right? Wow, man! That's I'm a, the 
Which you one? look at it. I'm the I'm the third youngest or the sixth oldest. <laughs> Either way, you look at it. I, I got, I got two younger brothers. <laughs> third youngest, the sixth oldest. Or the sixth oldest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depending on what you did, it was either the sixth oldest or the 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 he was just young. Third. I was just the third youngest. Yeah. It all depends on how you look at it. Mm. And um, you know, I look at it now, the whole clan is we all old. Mm. My my oldest brother just turned 81. Mm. And um, you know, my youngest brother just turned 60, what, 63 years old than me, 64. Mm. And, and and my I got one that's two years younger than me. So we we all old. We but we, we got a bunch of kids. We got a bunch of nieces and nephews that somebody has to take the reign. Like myself, I got I got seven grandkids. I just had one a couple of weeks ago. I got six boys and one girl grand grandkids. You know, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Man, that's 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 exciting. That's yeah, exciting. It, is. it really is. So it, at what point, as a young man, did you really start to see? Sports was a was a way out. When when did it click for you? You know, I used to be, football wasn't in my life. I, I wanted no part of football, Steve. I wasn't as tough as you was hmm. when I was a little boy. You know, I didn't want to get hit. You know, I used to say, hey, if I'm playing football with them boys on the other, and some they always chose me for some reason. The bigger boys always chose me, and I told them I'm playing wide receiver. And during that time, they playing tackle football with no pads. Uh-huh. And I would play wide, wide receiver. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't run a lick, but I played because I wasn't going to get in that contact. But but now if it was baseball or basketball, you know, I didn't mind. And and when I was like sixth or seventh grade basketball, there was a player in LSU during that time by the name of Pistol P. Merriman. Mm. And, you know, I was playing middle school basketball. I thought, I really thought I was Pistol P. Mm. You know, I used to wear big floppy socks hanging down my ankle. And when it came to playing, I played no defense. So everybody get a rebound. I'm way down. Cold, oh, way cherry pick. Hey, <laughs> throw it to me. Yeah. You know, so so that's what I did. And, and and you know, and and grew up and and eventually, you know, going to my ninth grade year probably taught me the biggest lesson in my life. Which was? And, and that was Coach Lucas, who was also the head football coach, was my – Junior varsity basketball coach. And <laughs> we were playing a JV game and we was beating somebody to death. You know, we was about to score 100 and he had the second team in that, which I was on the second team at that time. Okay. Uh-oh. And and, and everybody in the crowd to my, we want 100. We want 100. You know, I'm saying we got to give him 100. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I heard a, I heard the horn blowing. Dah, dah. He substituted us. You know, with about three minutes left in the game, and the game not even close, and he put the starters back in, mm. and and uh, you know, I walk by and, and I say, say, how in the world are you gonna put a, pull us out during this time? And he didn't say anything. So when the horn blew, it was time. He took me in the dressing room. He said, "Young man, I'm the coach. I make the decision." So I pulled my uniform off and my shoes, and I threw it in his face. Ooh. Um, but what did I do that for? Because my oldest brother just so happened to be the varsity basketball coach. Uh-oh. And so he came back there. And you know how back then we didn't have when you took ping pong table, they had what they call a horse that you set the table on top of. Well, he pulled one of them boards off Mm-mm. off that table and came back there with that board. And uh, I ain't going to say what he did, but I know he, what he did. my behind. Yeah, yeah. And made me go in and, and beg Coach Lucas' partner. And I did. 
And eventually, you know, that towards the end of the year, I ended up being a starter. And that time, that was the biggest lesson that I learned. No matter how good you think you are, you're not as good as you are. Hmm. And and I learned that at that particular time. And after that, I became a model citizen, a model student athlete, and hmm. did what I had to do. <laughs> yeah, you know what they say. Oh, with, yeah. With soft, a, hard, a hard head make a soft Make move. a soft behind. Yeah, yep, I heard that a lot of times. Me too. I, I didn't really hear it a lot. My, my behind felt it. Oh, well, we did too, but you know, my mom was the was the enforcer. My dad was a little nicer, mm. so when he did get you, he reminded you of everything you didn't do when he told you to do it. Oh yeah, he so get he that get back. You, he'd be whipping you and bringing out all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what they call that now? What they call it? Child abuse. That's child abuse <laughs> in twenty twenty two. You know what? I tell my girls that all the time. So y'all talking about child abuse? Let me tell you something. Bless my mama's soul. Bless my daddy's soul. If they we had to call them, they would still be locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they wouldn't get out. Uh-uh. Because underneath you know, the jail. Anything my mama had in her hand, whether or not an extension card, whether or not it was a Iron, shoe, uh, the, whether or not the, a lamp case, a, a baller, it don't matter. Uh, you was gonna get it. <laughs> the the iron cord before she plugged oh. it in. Like I got a whooping <laughs> before the iron. She irons her clothes and then whoop me again or fresh out of the shower. Shower. Have you ever got one when you was in the bed sleep? Yeah, I got one in the bed sleep. Listen, I almost yeah. cussed at her too. Because <laughs> yeah. that's how scared I got. I know. Let see, yeah, my, I <laughs> and, and see, my dad used to have a bunch of dogs because he's one of them guys that went hunting all the time. Uh -huh. And he used to tell her, don't you run. He ain't even have to hold her. <laughs> And we didn't know no better. He said, don't you run. I turned my dog loose on you. Ooh. And we just stood there and took it. And yeah. when that whipping was over, what you did was we got up on that cover because them whelps, man, was, hurt. they yeah. wasn't no joke. You, it it yeah. would hurt to sit down in school the next day. Well, you, you, I ain't going home. I ain't going to school and tell them I got a whipping because I could have took my shirt off and showed them I had a whipping. Yeah. But but I wasn't going to tell nobody I got a whipping. I thought that wanted them to know that I was a good, good individual. I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it, podcast.com. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. 
Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. How would you describe your dad? Wow. My, my dad was, was a strong, worldly-looking man. Big hands, you know, big neck. He, he wasn't as tall as I was. He was about six feet, but he was, he was built. Hmm. You know, he told me, he told me this, this one time, at that time, he say, he say, look, a white man told me one time, he said, boy, your hand's big enough to go bear hunting with your, with your fist. Hmm. And my dad say, he told him, say, they got some little bears out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but that's what it was. And, and my man, my daddy was a strong, straight individual. Hmm. Uh, you know, on Friday nights, and, and I'm going to say this, my dad, he, he'll be all right with this. My dad ran the gambling game, and and he, he he had some thug mentality. He wasn't a thug, but he had thug mentality. And and used to run the gambling gambling game. I used to come home from from school from Gramlin on Fridays, and I say I got to go see my dad because I ain't gonna see him till Sunday. And I'm gonna be gone because he'd be there all night, the night and Friday night and Saturday night running the gambling game. So I used to go in there, go in the little room where they'd be packed back there, and. Uh, he made his money by making the cut. He twenty five cent a game. He cut twenty five cent. Mm. And I used to walk in there. He look at me. He said, "You need anything?" I said, "No, I'm just hollering at you." And he just say, "Okay, see you later." He he didn't want me to be around anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though I knew he did it, and and you know, but I, I can respect him for that. But he did what he had to do for the family. And that yeah. was the most important thing, you know. Uh, back then. Gambling was big at them little juke janks. You know? Yeah, a little juke janks. I understood joints. what the juke janks was because yeah. that's where he was, and, and we had a, a few of those around the, around the neighborhood. How would you describe your mother? Man, Madea was probably the greatest. Well, we all, I'm, I'm sure we all feel the same way, but you, you're talking about a, a lady who take anybody in, mm. uh, feed anybody, didn't matter. The way my mom cooked was, um, she had an open pot, you know, she cooked with big pot, big bread pans and everything. And if you came to her house, she would say, baby, you better get you something to eat. And I, and she wasn't going to fix it. It's up to you to go and get your own plate. And, and, and that's what she did. But, she, but what I saw my mom do too, was she raised so many grandkids and, uh, all my niece and nephew, they were going to be at my mom's house and at their own house because, the way my mom was. Mm. And, you know, if you came to get, get your kid, my mom said, leave that, leave that baby alone. She wanted to stay here. You know, that's the kind of person she was. She, she loved to be around, around us, but at the same time, she loved those grandkids, man. And, you know, when, when, when she passed away, you, you could tell my mom had 80 some grandkids wow. and great, great grandkids, man. It was, it was amazing when she passed away to see so many, um, kids and grandkids and great grandkids at, at the funeral that day. What was the one food that she particularly cooked just for you, Doug? You know, it's one thing gonna always stick with me, and and she told me this, and I, and I think that's the reason why I am like I am today, as far as being humble. But one thing she told me, 
She said, just remember, the same people you see on your way up, you can see them on your way down. Mm. And, and and I've never forgotten that. And, you know, my mom was one of the moms that wouldn't fly. When I was in Tampa playing, my mom, my dad didn't really, wasn't a really football fan. He was a baseball fan to heart. He watched it on the game and every, on TV and stuff like that. But my mom would get on that Greyhound bus and we begged her to catch the airplane. She wouldn't get on it. She'll ride two days to Tampa to come to a game. Mm. And the only time my mom flew, and that's when you know you 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 know you got a mom, is when I was in Washington and I got I had back surgery. My mom got on the airplane for the first time, mm. and she flew up here. And the other time was when I played in the Super Bowl. She went to the Super Bowl, and that's because my sister flew with her. Other than mm. that, she wouldn't have flew to that one. She'd have watched it on TV too. Wow. But because when I was hurt, you know, I'm like I'm I'm just like her baby compared to the rest of them. That that's her baby. Her mm. baby on the, on his back. And she wants to come and see about him. So, you know, when you think about my mom and like we all call her, um, Madea, you know, that was nobody like my my mom. Mm. Well, all the people on your way up impacted your coach, uh, Eddie Robinson, uh, head coach for a number of years at Grambling State. Take us through your experience and what you were able to accomplish and do uh, at Grambling State that has such a huge impact uh, on you and made you who you are today? Well, well, number one, I was fortunate to have an older brother who probably in high school probably shaped me more than anything mm. to give me that opportunity to go to Grambling. My oldest brother, Robert, <clears throat> he was the guy that made sure. He was kind of like, if, if I didn't have a dad, you know, he would have been my dad, him and his wife. You know, because he was he was coaching at a, at, a, at a high school. His wife was coaching at a high school in Monroe, Louisiana. And every Friday night after the game, I would get in the car with them. We drive to Monroe because he was going to see his wife. So I was the I was the kid that they didn't have, mm. and, and he made sure that I, I did what I had to do in, in in high school. He made me play baseball. He made me play football. He the one who started me in football because mm. he was the first my first coach. He was a junior high coach and. Uh, he gave me an ultimatum, and and he told me he said you you got two choices, and I asked him what were they, and he said either you play football or you whip me, and I ain't up playing football. So everything, <laughs> is, 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 <laughs> everything else is history. Well, his name then, is his name is Robert. And Robert so, Williams. Yeah. Robert, and he's named after your your father. My dad. So Robert that, Williams Jr. Yeah. So that was that was it was your daddy, and then it was your daddy's son. <laughs> he was both. <laughs> And there's all there's no. always one, right? I got four, so there's always one that, that was is him. that was that's always like y- y- their dad, right? To to, yeah, to he, every he, degree, good, bad, or indifferent. And then he the same today. He 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 calls me now two two times a week, mm. checking on me. I should be calling him, checking on him, but he he calls me, want to know what I'm doing. And and you know him and I talk for a while, but you know when I went to Gremlin, he was the guy that's was always there for me. And then, you know, my mom, my mom absolutely loved Eddie Robinson because, see, Coach Rob, to be honest with you, never, never, ever saw me play a high school football game. Uh, We had a guy in our area by the name of Adolph Bird who recruited uh, Zachary, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, that whole area. And Adolph Bird is the one that called Coach Robinson to let him know that we got this boy up here in Zachary that we, we should sign. And one night, late one night, and then we had a party line on our phone. You know, you 
you're on the phone. You couldn't really be on the phone because we had 11 parties on our telephone back then. That was an old, you know, the, the, that old the bell rotary. phone when yep. you got that rotary thing. Yeah, pack, that's why I'm you saying know, that pack bell bill I had when I, when I yeah. went off to college. And Coach Rob called the housing. I don't know. I was asleep. And, and my mom came in and woke me up and she said, hey, you going to Grambling. Southern University was like 20 minutes down the street. I wanted to go to Southern because I wanted to be able for my mom and dad to come to the game. Mm. And she just came in there and said, you going to Grambling? I said, why, why, why do you say I'm going to Grambling? She said, because Coach Rob is on the phone. I said, okay. She said, well, he said that you was going to go to school, you was going to graduate. Mm. And you was going to go to church. And she said, that's enough for me. Yep. I said, okay. So, you know, that's one of the best decisions my mom ever made for she, me to go to grandma. She made that and, decision. You said, okay. But inside your head, you was rolling your eyes, though, huh? At, at first, I was. Yeah. I was. And then, you know, I went to Grambling. And be honest with you, Steve, when I went to Grambling, the first year was a tough year because it was two guys. When I got there, there were seven quarterbacks on, on seven? the team Seven. Wow. And not on that. And, he, and, and that's with two guys coming in. Me and a guy named Terry Brown, you know, bless his soul, he just passed away probably about two months ago. Mm. And Terry Brown, now, let, me, let me say this, and I'm, I'm going to give him his props. I would have given it to him while he's living. I'm going to give it to him now. Terry Brown could flat out throw the football. Really? And, and and he was the guy that Coach Rob really wanted because, you know, he had his receiver. They had two receivers, three receivers because both of them came with, with him. One went to Louisiana Tech, one came to Gremlin, and then he had a junior that was left there that came in the next year, Carlos Pennywell, drafted by the New England Patriots in the third round. Mm. And, and, and Carlos came in, but he really wanted Terry, so he registered me the first time. But what he did, though, he said, but I want you to travel with the team to keep the stats. So I traveled the whole year and kept the stats. But the next year, in the spring, is when you really go out and see who's going to be who. Now, we had Terry Brown coming back. We had Joe Como, uh, Booker. He, the, other, the other guys was coming back. Arthur Reed, you name them. You, all all say, of okay, them. You everybody. You was in the thick of it. You was, you, you, I, I know you sitting I there going – I'm saying I no, no. I said you had to think of all this stuff going on, and and I bet you going. Well, he never told my mama it was it was about ten of no. us though. No, we, nobody knew that. Nobody told us that. But you know, I guess in the south at that time, a lot of these guys couldn't go couldn't go to these schools because they didn't want no black quarterback. Oh, That's yeah, yeah. a lot of them got caught up in that situation. Mm. And so we all was there, and, and every last one of them brought something to the table. They can chuck it, they can run, they can do everything. And then it's got you. And that, that spring, <laughs> that spring, you know, we we went through all the spring, and, and Coach Rob coached the quarterback. Let, let me say that he coached the quarterback, and, and we went through every drill that the offensive lineman went through, the defensive line. Deep, you know, we went through that monkey roll up and down, and we did all that. Quarterback wasn't exempt from 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 hitting the ground and doing all that stuff. You had to do the same thing. And you know, we talking about five thirty in the morning. You getting up, going to practice, do on the ground. You know, quarterbacks don't like to get dirty. Yeah. So you know, we had to do it anyway. But as as the spring went on, at the end of the day, I ended up being the third quarterback in in the whole group per se. Mm. But one of them. Was a holdover. He was a senior. Senior uh, Joe Como was a senior, and Terry Brown now is going to be 
a sophomore, or you can you can say a redshirt freshman because he didn't play that much. So Terry and I was, you know, we went neck and neck by Coach Robinson standing. So I didn't like Coach Robinson a lot. Let me say that mm. my, my my early I didn't I wasn't a Coach Robinson fan early on because coming out of spring, I thought I I thought I had the best spring, mm. you know, because the spring game said you had the best spring, but when the season started. I was third team, and mm. we played all corn up in up in. No, we played Northwestern State up in Shreveport, and um, I did not play. Uh, uh, Joe Como played, bless his soul. Terry played, bless it. And I'm wondering why I didn't play. We ended up winning the game like 14-13, mm. and, and and I went back to the school the next day. I said I quit. Mm. I ain't tell nobody quit. I just didn't go to practice. So you didn't you didn't throw no jerseys and 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 cleats. Didn't throw no jerseys. You learned you know, that I, lesson. I learned a lot in, in ninth grade. I didn't do that. Yeah. I learned that in okay. ninth grade. So I said I'm, I'm transferring. I'm going to Southern. Mm. And I didn't go to practice that Monday. We had a guy. <laughs> you you would have to know this guy. He was a, he was the basketball coach at Grambling, but he also was assistant football coach at Grambling, and he was also Coach Rob. Left hand man, they call each other lefty. Mm, dry snitch. So I'm, I'm up in I'm up in the room watching the big ballot. He he bought all them boys. I, I ain't going to practice. Yeah. I'm not you going you to practice. all you you are all out. So when I'm you not, all out, you watching television. You eat you you over there eating a snack. You good? I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with football oh, at Grambling. I'm transferring. You, you look you and, look like you eating a a a, a, a pecan pie. That's what you said. I, I, if I'm done, I'm done. If I had, I was eating. Watching. <laughs> Let me say that. And and I heard a knock on the door. I said, "Come on in." And what I say that for? Because you Coach you was Hobby. done. <laughs> Coach Hobby walked in the room, and you know he's one of them old guys that can square up up and down the tree. Mm. He looked at me. He said, "Hell, hell, cat! What the hell you think you did?" <laughs> and and I said, "I quit, Coach." He said, "Quit somehow." He said, "You don't get." He said, if you don't get out of here and go down there to practice, boy, I'll put my foot up your ass. Yeah. So so, so, so I went on to practice. Uh-huh. practice Dr- drug yourself. Home. You got got on up, drug yourself. No, I got myself out of that room, put on my stuff and went to practice. I down the hill and I went in where everybody was practicing. They was running plays. And I and I said, you know what? I'm gonna fix them. I ain't gonna say nothing to nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a Dwayne Thomas. <laughs> you know, you know, Dwayne was one of them guys that didn't say nothing to nobody. So I say. I'm, I'm gonna do like Dwayne Thomas. I ain't speaking to nobody. And what I soon realized was the fact that I didn't speak to anybody. Nobody, nobody spoke, spoke to me. me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I was a long range. Yeah. You, oh, I got them, and they said, "No, we yeah. got you. We got you." Nobody said anything to me. So after practice, you know, I went on and took my stuff off and went on up to the cafeteria to eat to eat at the at the training table. And then one of the coaches came to me and said, "Hey, Coach Rob, I want to see you." I said, for what? He said, he wants to see you. I said, okay. So I, I went down there and Coach Rob down there playing George Benson on the on the, on the the box. That's the only music he would let us listen to with George Benson all day long. Hmm. So I went down there and I said, he said, hell, what's wrong, Cap? I said, Coach, I said, I, I'm going to transfer. I want to transfer to Southern University. He said, oh, hell no, Cap. He said, I'm not going to let you transfer and come back and beat the hell out of me. Wow. He said, he said, he said, the only reason why you ain't playing, hell, 
I know damn well if I give you that job, them boys ain't gonna get it back. So I looked at him. I say, if you give me the job, they ain't gonna get it back. I said, but what am I supposed? What are we to trying do? to do here? Yeah. He said, hell, that that cat is a scene. We're trying to let it play and and tear it. And I said, well, coach, well, how am I gonna supposed to play? He said, hell, that's all right, cat. You gonna play? So the next game, two games late, we played Perryview. And, and, you know, that was a whipping. We, we beat Perryview, beat the brakes out of them. And I, I played my first game. I drove the team down, threw my first TD pass to who? Sammy White. Mm. I got that ball to this day at my house in Zachary. I got that ball. Wow. And then, now, remember now, Joe Como and Terrence all played most of the game. This is full quarter. What did Coach Rob do? He pulled me out and put Terry back in there mm. because he didn't want me to look better than Terry. So he put Terry back in there, and the next week we played Tennessee State. And Joe Como broke his wrist in the first quarter. Mm. And I hate that, but, I mean, that's where it happened. Yes, sir. And, and then he put Terry Brown in there. So Terry was in there, and nobody was going anywhere. No offense, not all. Defense was playing really well. And then he said, hell, where that William boy at? He forgot you. You couldn't find your helmet. No, because I wasn't expected to play. He oh, said, hell, what that wind boy? Dog, you can't do I'm running around trying to find my helmet. I put my helmet on. I went in, and you know what? We ended up beating Tennessee State 21-6. to And the next week, you know, he ran into my, hell, I don't know who going to start. Hell, I got to confirm with my coaches who going to start. And that Saturday, we was up in Mississippi Valley. The Delta Devils, and in the dressing room, we said, "Yeah, let me go back here and talk to these coaches and find out hell who we should start." Well, I knew I should have been starting, but Coach Rob didn't want to hurt Terry feeling, mm-hmm. so he came back out. He said, "Hell," he said, "Damn, William, you gonna start today?" But hell, if you don't play, I'm gonna put Brown in there, try to make us. I said, "Okay," so I went in, and uh, that's the game. Then that's the sixth game of my rook- my freshman year. And after the sixth game, the rest was history. Mm. <laughs> Brown didn't play at all the rest of his career. Hell, cat, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But, yeah, you can go on. Buy you a t-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? 
Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Let, let's talk a little ball, though, a little bit, okay. because you've been around football for 50, 60-plus years. You've seen, you've seen football at its highest peak as a Super Bowl MVP. You've also been a part – you've been part of teams who have struggled. Right. You know, you've been part of the, you know, the other football leagues, the CFL, the USFL. You've had USFL. to – like I said, I like the you, – you've taken a scenic route. Right. How has your heart not gotten hard over the way you were treated to get to the National Football League? Well, you, you look at it from the standpoint, if if, if I hadn't, my heart had gotten hard, what was going to do? Because they still was the same thing. I got treated that way. Mm. The most important thing is to keep going forward, you know, not get knocked back. I wasn't going to let things that happen stop me from going forward if I had the ability to go forward. Mm. Fortunate enough, I, I was able to do that. Like in 1983, when, you know, when I left Tampa, I missed the whole season. I didn't play, I didn't, I didn't play one down in 83. Why? So that was a, that was a whole season, not my whole life. And and I was content. Remember, I had a I had a daughter that was born in, in 83, and my wife had passed away. So the most important thing mm. to me was find a way to raise this this baby girl. Mm. And and if it was gonna be a high school coach, which you know, when I went to Grammar, that's what I wanted to be, that was all right with me. And then the USFL called the Tatums. You know, they called me and asked me that I want to come and play with them. And and they treated me like an individual. Not like um, a stockyard or cattle. You know, they wanted me to be a staple of their franchise, and and they acted that way. You know, I talked to Bill Tatum about three months ago, and the first thing he told me was, you know, my dad got your picture in in the living room to this day. Mm. You know, because that's how they treated me. And you know, went to the USFL, met a lot of good people. Frank Cush was one of my coaches. Played with some good people. Played with some guys that wasn't. But I think as a whole, it was a lot of talent in there. Mm. But Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs is the one guy who went to, who was in Tampa at the time when I was a rookie, told Coach McKay that, um, you know, if you're going to draft a quarterback, you need to draft the kid from Grammar. And, you know, John McKay, because coming up at high school, it was only two coaches I wanted to play for, either Eddie Robinson or John McKay. Why John McKay? Because in 1965, he played a guy by the name of Jimmy Jones. He was a black quarterback. So color wasn't his issue. Mm. You know, it didn't matter to him because he won national championship with a bunch of black players on his team. So it wasn't about color. So I got a chance to play for him. But Joe Gibbs is a guy that told him to do that. So he Joe left the next year and, and went and got his own team, per se. And when the USFL folded, out of all the teams in the league, at that time it was 30 teams, there's only one guy called me. And that was Joe Gibbs. Wow. And he said, and he called me Douglas. He said, Douglas? So that's Joe that, Gibbs. Here. That'll be five people now that have called you no, Douglas. No, that's four. That's, that's I'm four. On, I, I called I'm you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that, counting you, that's five. That's I'm five, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll let you get away with it. That's I, fine. That'd be the last time, though. I'm just telling you. No, that's all right. You're yeah. good. But but anyway, he he said, Douglas, and, and he got, coach got that little funny laugh. He, he does. Said, How you doing? <laughs> 
Yeah. He said, how you doing? I said, good, coach. How you doing? He all right. He said, I'm just calling to find out. Um, you know, you know, we heard we lost Joe Theismann last year. I said, yeah, I saw that, coach. He said, I'm just calling the one that could you come to Washington to play backup. And, and I told him flat out, I said, coach, I said, I can play any up you want because I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> that was in August 1986. Mm. And I got on the airplane uh, two days later, flew up to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And um, that's when I signed. And in 1986, I threw one pass all of 86, one pass. Mm. And, and I was the backup quarterback. And, and 1987 come around, and they traded me. They traded me to the Raiders. Mm. And, and and you know, I got out. We played, we played a preseason game in L.A. at that time against the Rams. And we flew back home. You know, I played the whole second half, played pretty decently. Flew back home. He said, "Look, we we traded you to the to the Raiders because Al Davis tried to trade for me when when my contract was up in Tampa, but the owner didn't like Al Davis, so he didn't trade him. He didn't trade me. So when I got off the plane, Coach Rob, Coach um, Gibbs say, say, look, come to my office and uh, you know we'll talk about this trade.' And I said, "Okay." He said, "Come by 11 30, 12 o'clock." I said, "Okay." So I went home, packed my bag. I, you know, live in the apartment, packed my bag, called everybody in Zachary, little Zachary, Louisiana, told them that I'm going to, to the Raiders, that I'm going to be a Raider, you know, let them all know that I was going to be a Raider. And then when I went to the facilities and to Coach Gibbs, he wasn't in the office at first, but his secretary was there. So I sat there and wait on him. And he came in and said, have a seat. And he looked at me and he said, ha, ha. He said, I changed my mind. <laughs> and I... I immediately smiled immediately. I said, Coach, I said, you can't change your mind. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I don't work for the Raiders. I work for the Redskins. And I just sat back in my chair. And then he said, look, I got a feeling. This is the honest God truth. Coach Gibbs is one of the most spiritual individuals yeah, that, yeah. that I ever met. He said, look, he said, I got a feeling that somewhere along this line, you're going to come in this game and we're going to win this thing. He told me that that day, sitting in his office. To be honest with you, I didn't give a damn what he said. I was, still, <laughs> I, I was still thinking about being traded and getting the chance to be a starter. Uh-huh. So I just left out his office, went downstairs, D-ball with the strength coach, and went and worked out with the strength coach, and, and the rest of it was history. Mm. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess that old man knew what he was talking about. Hey, he said it was going to happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, that day walking off the field, Coach Rob was was in the tunnel. And, and I didn't know Coach Rob was even at the game. Mm. And and after the game, we saw each other. We both hugged. We both were throwing snot everywhere. We both was crying. Mm. And and he told me, he said, Cat, he said, it wasn't about them four TDs you threw. He said, the fact that you got off the turf. Mm. He said, you got off the turf and you finished. You know, and that's something he always told us. Hell, you can't stay down. You got to get off the turf. And I got off the turf. And then I left him and went into the dressing room. And Coach Gill was there. And he looked at me and he hugged me. He said, I told you it was going to happen. Mm. And that's what it was. How do you deal with knowing that you're a pioneer? Well, you know what? It's, it's, first of all, it's a lot of respect. And 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 I understand, you know, what, what I accomplished. But, you know, I got to look back at Marlon Briscoe, uh, James Harris, mm. um, you know, you got guys that 
came with Joe Gilliam. You got guys who came came before me yep. that got a chance, John Walton, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But you got guys that didn't get a chance in the NFL that sh- should have. So, you know, you talk about taking the credit. You know, I don't think all the credit goes to me. You got so many other people that I was standing on their shoulders. Yep. Just like, you, you know, you said you were standing on our shoulders. You know, I had to stand on some shoulders, too. Because mm. to, to, to this day, James Harris and I, just like, for me, it's like an older brother. Big brother, you know, we talk almost every day, uh, daily, you know. And and Jimmy Ray, who played at Michigan State back in the day, you know, those guys to me meant so much to what they've done and, and what I was accomplished. And then I look at um, Warren Moon, mm-hmm. you know, the things that he did and had to go to Canada before he came into yep. the league. Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair. And what Russell Wilson and 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 McMahon is doing, Byron left. There's so many other guys that, for me, you know, if, if I paced, made the path, it wasn't because of me, it's because of guys behind me. So we've all trampled down them that area that made the paths a lot wider for the guys that's coming behind us. Why? Why is the quarterback position such a demanding position, but yet such a position? Also, it's extremely hard to find the right guy. And, and, and you're right about that, Steve. You know, you, you really don't know when you got one until you got one. And, and or you and don't, or thing, you, or you don't know, or you find out you got one, and he can't play. Yeah, you don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and you're right. You know, and, and I look at all these guys, man, that play today. And how much high hope that a lot of people have on certain guys. Yep. And, and for me, and and me and James Harris, we talk all the time about certain players, man. You know, you think about today. Tom Brady was a six-round player. Correct. They didn't think he could play. Correct. That's it's, true. So, so it's a nobody wants shoot. to admit that. No, but now you say, well, he's no Tom Brady. Well, you didn't think Tom Brady was Tom Brady exactly. when he was drafted. Yep. So it all depends. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers was, what, 20-something pick? Yeah, 21st. Dan, Mar- yeah, yeah. Dan Marino was a late pick. Mm-hmm. They didn't think none of those guys was picked. When I came out, I was, the, I was the only quarterback picked in the first round, but they had two guys on everybody's board. That was uh, Guy Benjamin and, and um, Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. They supposed to have been better than me. Mm-hmm. You know, they made the All-American team and all that. But, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you know, you got to make the right decision. I think today is a little different than it was back then because you had so many people that just didn't want that black quarterback mm. to be the face of my team. And, and, and that's the way it was. But today, if, if you're that quarterback, yeah. you, you got to be the face of that team. And I think the, the whole mentality has changed a little bit. And hopefully it still changes because, you know, we got some young guys that's going to be still coming out in the next couple of years. And, and this is my prediction. I might be wrong. I ain't never been that right on a lot of things. But I'm looking for, for half of the quarterbacks in this league going to probably be of color. Hmm. And that ain't all bad. That's because they could play. Correct. And, and, the team, and the team wants to win. I think that's the most important thing. The thing I struggle with quarterbacks just as an analyst and just overall as a receiver is um, it seems like every year the, the intangibles or the requirements to play quarterback seems to alter or vary. But yet there's, you know, I've seen quarterbacks who maybe are inaccurate still get a job. 
a guy who possibly can't read coverages still get a job. Uh, guys who processing system is a little bit slow and dated still maintains jobs. Um, guys who are unable to just do the required, just the, re- the basic requirements still get jobs. However, a running back who can't read the hole, he doesn't get a job. A wide receiver who can't catch, he doesn't maintain a job. Offensive lineman who cannot block, which is essential to being offensive lineman, he doesn't get jobs. How and why is a, the quarterback position coveted so much that they discount disabilities of why guys can't do their job and still get jobs and actually get signed pretty hefty? Well, 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 let me say, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm refer that mostly to the backup quarterback in this league. Okay, that, yeah, you know? no, I, I was talking about starters, but yeah, let's talk I about know, a backup. I know, and I agree a backup a still has a job. <laughs> I agree. A lot of a lot of a lot of guys who start this league can't play, mm. but I'm looking at it from the backup standpoint. They can't play, but what they do better than anybody else, better than we do, they become buddies with the starters. So when that happens. The coaches are not going to get rid of them because, why? they're close to the starters. Mm. And they can be there for 90 years, can't play dead, mm. but because every time the starter comes off the field, who's in his face? Tobacco. And, see, we don't do that. You know, uh, you know, if you're a black quarterback and you got a chance to be a backup, no, you're not in his face. You're watching to find out what's going on because you're trying to learn what it takes. Correct. But that other guy's in his face. And, and then when it's time your day off, you're going to play golf with them. Mm. And now you get a chance to play with the coaches. So, therefore, we keep you around yeah. because you're that guy. Yeah. And then what's going to happen now? You're going to become the head coach. Somebody team somewhere. That's just like, I ain't got nothing against Josh McCow. McCow, yeah. I know Josh. Yeah. 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 Great and, dude. And I like Josh. But but, but how are you going to get Josh McCown a head coaching job fresh off a team and you got Jim Caldwell, Leslie Frazier, Byron left with Todd Bowles, Eric mm. Enemy, all these guys out here who have put in the work. Yeah. You know, because he's a quarterback, because he, he's smart, that's how they stick around. But then, like you say, you got guys, a lot of guys that don't ever go to the playoff if, if you don't have that guy behind the center. And there's only very few of them. Yeah. You know, you if you get to when you get past 12 or 13, you know, it ain't a whole lot of guys that can play quarterback in this league. Correct. Well, not because of what they can't do or the fact that they can't play at all. They can't throw. They can't do a lot of things. Like Chase you know? uh, this was Chase McDaniels. Chase, Chase McDaniels has been around an extremely long time. I know Chase um, in passing. You know, I don't know him uh, personally, but I know a lot of people speak highly of him. Um, however... I've never really seen anything out of Chase that I, I I would go down down to the local mall and go buy. Like when they say, "Oh, Chase is releasing a new shoe," I wouldn't. I'm not driving down there to get Chase's shoe because I really haven't seen Chase do anything. And there's nothing yeah, against he, Chase. No, no, I understand what you're talking about. You know, I remember when when he back up somewhere, he's making seven million dollars. Yeah, and I'm trying to find out how in the hell. Did yeah. you play Chase Daniels seven million dollars? What have he done? And you hope he doesn't play. Like he he hoping he don't play. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but he didn't want. He don't want to get exposed. He make more money not doing anything, not doing anything than you will doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but wide receiver. That's why I, as an analyst, I struggle when I'm on television. I struggle because here's what I really love to hear. Here's what I would really love to hear. Yeah, he's just not playing well. You always hear like I was. I was hearing someone say about a quarterback, and I'm not going to say who and all that stuff. I heard somebody say, "Man, he's the hardest working quarterback I ever been around." Stop lying. No, he's not. He's not. And I, I, I get caught up in why are you saying that? Like, and But I know why they're saying it. But my struggle with it is you're saying it because it sounds good. It's the, it's the right thing to say. But you're doing the, the audience who's believing you because they have to believe you because they have to take you for your word. That what you're saying is is sincere, but you're not sincere. You're in sin you are sincere in keeping that check coming in, and not. I don't want to say telling, but be honest. He's not the hardest working. He can't well, be. Well, Your team's not very good. Well, yeah, when I when I hear that, what I think is this: the guys who who pumping them up somehow, some way, they know that guy, and and they don't want to bring him down because. They don't want to be the one to tell the truth about it mm. because they're trying to make everybody else believe that he could. But he can't. You know, they know somebody connected to him because when you say something and you don't know nobody, you're going to tell the truth. Yeah. But but if you know him, you're going to try to make sure that he knows that it, it's not true, but he ain't going to say it. He's going to say something that's going to probably, like you say, he works his behind off. I'm telling which you. Is pro which is possibly, I believe that's correct. If they're practicing, they're working. That, they work right. They are you, you. If you out, especially here in the South, if you D.C., Baltimore, Charlotte, um, South Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Florida, you out here working in ninety-one degree weather. Even if you standing around, you are going to sweat. So you yeah. are working. But to say that he's the hardest working quarterback I've ever seen, I really want to say, where. Were you last where the year? production? Yeah, where, where's the production? Like, no, he's not. And and I'm not trying to say the guy can't play, but I, I don't say he's the hardest worker. I've never seen anyone work harder. I have. I've seen several people work harder. You're right. I've actually seen several people work smarter. Now that's the key. Even give they give bet, bet. I've seen several people have more quality of work. But yet, a wide receiver that can't catch, oh, he can't play. Oh, he's not fair. Man, you got quarterbacks out here that can't hit the broad side of a barn. They can't hit a dead cow not moving, and they get a hall pass. Oh, he, oh the yeah, sun was in his eye. No, no I, you're right. I, I, I want to tell – I told a quarterback one time, the sun is in the same geographical location it was last week, bro. Tighten up. <laughs> First of all, what are you doing looking in the sun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm five nine. <laughs> I ain't that tall. <laughs> what are some of the things you've experienced or just what you've seen being a player, you know, obviously going to college, uh, the journey you've had, uh, USFL, CFL, uh, not getting drafted, getting injured, Super Bowl MVP, back up, earning your way. You've experienced the highs and lows, the peaks and valleys of football as a player. What has been the difference now seeing it 
on the administrative side or the executive side that really has uh, shown you the complexity of evaluating football? Well, you know, number one, um, not getting a chance to 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 be a general manager was something that probably my low. Mm. But my high was still getting an opportunity to be involved. You know, I mean, if you don't get that chance, that don't mean you just quit and just walk away. Mm. Um, you know, be involved and you get a chance to see a lot of young athletes. And then what I try to do, Steve, when I when even to this day, when I see one, they come down in my office. You know, the one thing I tell them all the time is don't give the money back, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the most important thing. You got a chance to make this money. Uh, some of your great, great, great grandfather didn't have an opportunity to do. Don't go out and blow it. Don't do crazy stuff, things like that. Mm. And that's the biggest thing for me today that I get a chance to, to sit down and talk to these guys and just, just talk straight to them, man. Mm. You got a chance to make, enough money in the next five to six to, to seven years that you don't have to work no more. Yep. And and you can take care of your family and, and everybody else if you do it the right way. And and everybody's not going to make a lot of money. We understand that. But some of these high profile guys, you know, I try to sit down and tell them, man, don't, don't give it back to them. Don't, mm. you know, when you see a guy go out and do some stuff and all of a sudden their bonus slips away from them, yeah, you took 11 million, 12 million dollars from them because of some stupid stuff that they did, like my man down in Atlanta. That to me, man, that's that's one of the biggest loss that that he ever had in his whole life. Because you're not gonna make it up. No, you can't make it up. And he's never gonna be that guy that people are gonna value highly because of what transpired with. It. Correct. You know, he might be on a team from team to team, but he's not gonna be what he was when he got there. What what he should have been, or uh, what he still, there. or what he was potentially gonna become. Life is right. hard. It gets it even, it, it, life is hard. It gets even harder when you're stupid. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because people going to remember that. And you know the people at the top going to really remember They have that. to. Their yeah. job is on the line. Everybody's job is on the line. I and mean, they, not giving, they ain't giving you money for the hell of it. <laughs> They're nah. paying for a product. Yes. And if you're producing, they'll pay. Mm. Well, man, this has, been, this has been awesome. I appreciate it, Doug. I appreciate your time, man, and I always respect you. I always love watching you and, and seeing you on the sidelines of uh, all the years I was in Carolina, you was in Tampa Bay. Um, I always used to look forward to seeing you on the sideline and hearing a word of wisdom. But also, too, I never told you, always y you were you were like the uncle um, that I never had, the uncle that you would see every so often. But you always knew when, when, when Uncle Doug was out there, he was going to be sharp. <laughs> He's going to smell good, and you got to show up. And so I always look at him, like, oh, if Doug's out here, I'm going to have to whoop I'm going to have to put it on these boys today. Um, hey, Steve, yeah. you showed up and you showed out. Yeah. Well, it was it was your smell good. It was because of you. That's your fault. Appreciate it, man. Man, appreciate I appreciate it. you. Hey. Hey, respect to you, man. Respect to you, sir. I appreciate it. God bless, and I look forward to seeing you. Uh, I'll be working with the with the Panthers for preseason, so I'll be seeing you in in, in – uh, uh, down the training camp when we go down there. Uh, I can't guarantee okay. you anything, but uh, uh, it sure will be entertaining. All right. Appreciate that. All right. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. 
Cut to It with Steve Smith Sr., that is me, is a production of Cut to It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut to It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Labreck, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue.